You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Today we're going to finish up in our series uh, that we have been doing uh, this summer called We Believe. And again, I mean, this is a, a, a series I could just, you know, continue to go on with. Um, I'm not. Um, I can, but I won't. Um, but it is one of those series where we've been really looking at just a lot of different beliefs uh, and We've been looking at these through two different lenses. We've been looking at issues through what we call a biblical or a Christian lens or worldview. And then we've also been looking at those issues through how a secular, a postmodern, a progressive person would look at those uh, issues. And what we've discovered throughout the series is that regardless of the issue or the belief, There are radically different ways people view what they believe depending upon which lens they're looking at that belief through. So we've kind of looked at the uh, belief regarding the Bible, creation versus evolution, the problem of suffering and evil. We've looked at what we believe about heaven and hell. These last few weeks, we've been looking at who we believe God uh, is. Last week, we looked at uh, who we believe Jesus is. And this week, we're going to finish the series by looking at what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to the issue, the topic, the belief of the Holy Spirit, not only is there a lot of confusion and misunderstanding among non-Christians about who the Holy Spirit is, I've discovered there is a lot of confusion among Christians as to who the Holy Spirit is. And you saw some of those misconceptions in the video we just watched. I mean, I've heard well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians refer to the Holy Spirit as kind of this impersonal force, as an it, uh, or a presence. And now, I'll just be honest with you, I grew up in the Lutheran church, and we use the term Holy Ghost. It's interesting that we sang the doxology this morning, and there's that term, Holy Ghost. And again, the only ghost I knew growing up was Casper, the friendly ghost, you know? So I just kind of thought the Holy Spirit was kind of like Casper, only just friendlier, you know? So if Christians are confused as to who the Holy Spirit is, you can imagine why non-Christians struggle to understand who is the Holy Spirit? What's his purpose, okay? The first and most basic thing to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person, Just as God the Son, Jesus, is a person, God the Father is a person, and the three together comprise what we call the Trinity, and now that is three distinct persons sharing one essence and united perfectly in purpose, in plan, and thought. So God is not one person, the Father, and Jesus as a creation of the Father, and the Holy Spirit as a force, which is what Jehovah Witnesses teach and believe. Neither is the Holy Spirit one person who took three consecutive forms. Uh, By that I mean the Father who became the Son, who then became the Holy Spirit, as some, again, called some teach nor is the Trinity an office held by three separate gods as Mormonism teaches. 
Now, God is a trinity of persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Father is not the same person as the Son. The Son is not the same person as the Father or the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Father or Jesus. They are three distinct persons, yet they are all one God sharing one essence, binding them together in perfect unity and harmony. Now, some of you may be sitting there and you're thinking, Pastor, that is clear as mud. It's okay. The, the, the Trinity, now, now honestly, there is a profound mystery regarding the Trinity. The, the, there are simple understandings regarding the Trinity, but I'll tell you what, there is just a profound mystery about the Trinity. And the more you walk and the deeper you walk with God, the more he kind of begins to reveal and unveil the mystery surrounding the Trinity. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, boy, I'd, I'd love to learn more about the Trinity. Spend time with the Father. And he'll kind of just begin to unveil and just to kind of give you more and more revelation. As a matter of fact, you've heard me say this before. That's part of what eternity's, the beauty of eternity is going to be about. We are just going to be in the presence of the Father and he is just going to continue to reveal and to unveil um, greater uh, truths and understanding regarding who this Holy Spirit is. And it's going to take God an eternity to reveal and to show you everything there is to see and to know about the Holy Spirit. Won't that be awesome? It's like, it's like a Bible study that'll never end. It's a sermon that'll never end. But the beauty is you'll never get tired. You'll never get sleepy. You'll kind of just be sitting on the edge of your seat and you'll just be saying, oh God, show me more. Tell me more about who this Holy Spirit is. Tell me more about this Trinity. I mean, we will be so hungry and thirsty for more and more of God's revelation. And we're just gonna spend eternity in that kind of a presence. I'm excited. Now, when I refer to the Holy Spirit as a person, it is important to understand that I am not saying or I am not calling him human. What I am saying is that the Holy Spirit possesses attributes of what we would consider to constitute personhood. So the Holy Spirit is a deity, not a human being. But we must remember we humans, we were created in God's image, so he is not like us, rather we are like him. And we're given clue after clue in the word of God that the Holy Spirit possesses characteristics of personhood, of personality. By that I mean the Holy Spirit teaches, he guides, he comforts, he disciplines the Holy Spirit can be grieved, he can be quenched, he can be lied to, he can be tested, resisted, and blasphemed. The scriptures call him God, Lord, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Jesus, the Comforter, the Advocate. This week, uh, I, was it this week or last week, you were given a devotion on the Holy Spirit, and you kind of used the idea, the, the term coach, and I'd never thought of that before, but Neva was talking about the Holy Spirit kind of as a coach. And again, there's just that attribute of personhood in that. So each of these three persons in the Trinity demonstrate these 
these qualities associated with personhood. So the Holy Spirit is not a what, but rather a who. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing or a feeling or a force or a power. Now, the Holy Spirit does have power. He releases power. He gives power to the weak. But he is first and foremost a person coexistent, co-eternal, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. Now, we first learn of the presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. So God does not keep us in suspense long. I mean, second verse in the beginning of the Bible says the earth was formless and void And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So right there from the beginning, we see the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in the acts of creation. Now in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word ruach was used when talking about the Holy Spirit. And that word literally means wind. Wind even associated with a breath. And in the New Testament, the the Greek word pneuma, which was used, which means breathe or the breath. And we can literally think of the Holy Spirit as the breath of God. And again, this seems to be what Jesus also understood what he had in mind when he said to his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed, pneuma, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is sometimes described in the original Greek as parakletos. And again, Jesus used this Greek word Often, he used it in John 14, 16 through 17, and he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Uh, Again, parakletos is the word there, who will never leave you. Isn't that comforting to know? Part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to always be with you, to never leave you, to never abandon you, to never forsake you ever. The world at large, again, progressive, secular, you know, unbelieving people cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you and later he'll be in you. Now, I've used this analogy before, so if you've been here when I've used it, just bear with me. How many of you are going to go out for lunch afterwards or go home and eat lunch? Really? Oh my goodness, are y'all fasting today? I don't think you're gonna be like a little piggy. I'm gonna go home and have something afterwards, right? Okay, we all are. Let me just ask you this. When you go home and you kind of get that lunch set before you, let me ask you this. Is that lunch gonna benefit you with you or in you? Absolutely. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, the Holy Spirit, he's with you But he said, there's coming a time where the Holy Spirit is going to be in you because in you is going to do so much more for you than to have the Holy Spirit with you. I'll let that sink in for a minute. But see, some some of you kind of got this thing that the Holy Spirit's kind of just walking alongside you or he's kind of just walking behind you. No, 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 no. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, okay, he's in you. 
And he's in you because God can't get any closer to you than in you. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to fill you, is to dwell inside of you. You remember in the Old Testament, oftentimes God made covenants with his people and he said he would be their God, they would be his people and God required that they should keep his laws. Now again, if you know the history of the Israelites, sadly the people found that they were unable to keep God's commands. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, they just consistently broke it. So God made a promise to them and he said, one day I am going to make a new covenant or a new testament with my people. And he said, this covenant, this second covenant, this new covenant, it's gonna be different than the old covenant. And Jeremiah 31, 33 kind of again gives us an idea of what God is talking about here. And he said, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Now they had the law in the tablets. That wasn't helping them much. So God said, I want to take what's external and I want to put it internal. In other words, under the new covenant, the law would be internal rather than external. Well, how is that going to happen? Well, Ezekiel kind of gives us the answer to that. He was a prophet and God spoke through him, elaborating on the earlier promise. Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 26, says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. There's that again, that within part. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you, not with you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Now there again, you're kind of getting an idea of what God's plan and purpose is regarding the Holy Spirit. God was saying through the prophet Ezekiel that this is what will happen when God puts his Holy Spirit within us. This is how God was going to change our hearts. This is how God was going to make our hearts soft rather than being hearts of stone. God was going to create and give us a heart of uh, flesh. The Spirit of God will, in, will direct and enable us to follow his decrees, to keep his laws by his power, by his strength, and not that of our own. Okay, the prophet Joel gives us some further insight regarding the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 28, says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Okay, all people. This isn't just for some. He says, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now we see this fulfilled in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2. And these very early verses in Joel 2 are referenced by Peter in Acts 2.17. So we see part of the purpose for God sending his spirit was for the purpose of giving us a new heart, a new spirit, which would result in new lives for the purpose of prophecy, dreams, visions, God's way of speaking to us. Now I don't, I don't have this in here, but it is kind of, I'll just mention this. I've shared this before, but last year when we were over uh, in the Bible reading, I think we were kind of, was it Sunday? We were kind of, we were kind of finishing up, and 
I was kind of standing over there as, as people were reading, and Karen and I, we were kind of talking, and I said to Karen, Karen, I just got to tell you, God gave me this picture. That's one of the ways God speaks to me in the, in the Holy Spirit, is God gives me a picture. And, you know, pictures, you know, a thousand words. So God will give me a picture, and I'll know exactly what it means and what God wants me to do with it. So I told Karen, I said, God has just gave me this picture. And it was a picture of us setting up coffee and donuts and bagels over at the entrance to the courthouse on Monday morning, the day after the Bible reading. And I just really feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to go there and just thank them for their kindness and their patience. Those, that was the two words the Holy Spirit highlighted to me. Thank them for their kindness and their patience. And I was smart enough to know not everybody who worked there at the courthouse was happy or supportive about what we were doing, okay? But regardless of how they felt about it, they were kind and they were patient with us. So we just set up at the door and it was just, it was the neatest thing. I think like, was it Tuesday morning as they're kind of coming in the door? They're shocked. Here we are with coffee, donuts, bagels. Um, and they're like, what is this? We said, you know, we just want to thank you guys for your patience uh, and your kindness um, in allowing us to do the Bible uh, reading here. And you could just feel, I mean, defenses just fell. Um, in that. And, and so, the, the, again, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And, and God wants to do that with all of us. Some of, some of, for some of you, the Holy Spirit speaks. You hear God speaking. Um, I, I mainly get it through pictures. God just gives me a picture, uh, a vision, and I know exactly what God's uh, telling me to do. So this is, again, this is the way God wants to speak to you um, and I. And it's not just for pastors, okay? It's for everybody. We'll get into that in just a moment. Now, Paul says this regarding the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. And I've got that up on the screen there. He says, then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, Paul is telling you in what I just read to you. He said, I'm, I'm going I'm to help you understand something about what the will of God is for your life. So Paul says, are, are you ready for this? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dispensation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the will of God for you. Not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the benefit of that is what? He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, like Jason talked about with that, with that one guy. That's the Holy Spirit. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of of Christ. So again, you can go back and look at that and you'll find the Trinity in there. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is all mentioned there. So this morning, what I just want to quickly share with you are several benefits of being filled with the Spirit, having the Holy Spirit living and guiding you in your life based upon these words Paul wrote there in Ephesians 5. First, the Spirit life is a commanded life. The Spirit-filled life is a commanded life. Now, Paul starts off there in verse 18, and he says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the verb there translated to be filled in the Greek language, it is in the imperative mood. Now, I want you to understand, I spent four years in seminary, and I had to take Greek 
every time it was offered. Not because I wanted to, but because I had to. I, you, to graduate from seminary, I had to be able to pass a Greek equivalency test. Meaning I had to be able to translate certain words and tenses. Um, most people, I think 99.9% of the people took Greek one semester and passed the test. I was a slow absorber. I took it every semester for four years and finally passed it barely the last time. So I'll tell you in that four years, I learned something about imperative mood, okay? This means it is not a suggestion. God is not requesting something of us, rather In the imperative mood, it is an unalterable command of the living God to try and live the Christian life successfully apart from the filling, the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. You are doomed to a life of perpetual frustration, failure, and sin. As a matter of fact, if that kind of is the You know, if you look back on your Christian life and that kind of sums up your Christian life, that yeah, it it is kind of a state of frustration, failure, and sin. The problem is you're probably trying to do it apart from the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to continually be filled with the Spirit moment by moment, situation by situation, day by day. Paul's making the case here that it is the will of God for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is why Paul immediately preceded this verse by saying, understand what the will of the Lord is in this regard. The will of the Lord for each one of us is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, this verb is plural in number. Another thing I had to learn in Greek In other words, every Christian is to be filled. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the worship leader. It's not just those that are teaching children's church. Every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This verb also is in the present tense. And in the Greek language, that denotes continuous action. In other words, it's not just a one-time event. It is a continuous, ongoing need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. I also find it fascinating that Paul contrasts being drunk with being filled with the Spirit. Now, if I were to ask how many of you here this morning believe it is wrong to be drunk, I'm guessing most, hopefully all of you, would agree with that. If this verse means what it says, then it is just as sinful for a Christian not to be filled with the Holy Spirit as it is for the Christian to be drunk. The problem is we've accentuated the negative and we have eliminated or overlooked the positive. In fact, it is even more healthy and beneficial to be filled with the Spirit as opposed to being drunk. Do you realize one quarter of all automobile insurance premiums go toward drunk driving claims? That's staggering. Do you realize that if people were filled with the Spirit rather than drunk with wine, it would save about 25,000 lives a year in the United States and approximately $16 billion in insurance claims? 
Now the word filled was a word used of the wind filling up a sail and kind of carrying a ship along in the water to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's to allow the ship of your life to be guided by the wind of the Holy Spirit of God. And just as the wind guides the sail that guides the ship, so every thought we think, everything we say, every deed we do should be directed and led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now again, none of us do that perfectly. I don't. But again, what we want to begin to do is just build more and more consistency in obedience and in following the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible speaks of being filled with the Spirit, it's not referring to a glass that is filled by a liquid, but rather it is talking of a house that is completely occupied and consumed by a divine person. Second benefit of being filled with the Spirit is a Spirit-filled life will result in a committed life. Basically, when you talk about the spirit-filled life, Christians generally ask two questions, what and how. That is, what is the spirit-filled life, and how do I get filled with the spirit? Well, I believe there's another important question that comes after the first one, but before the second one, and that is why. Every Christian should want to be filled with the spirit and should know what the spirit-filled life is. But you also need to ask yourself, why do I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The question is, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can use God or so God can use you? That's the difference. Some people want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they talk about the filling of the Spirit, but what they're really interested in is the feeling of the Spirit. He doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? I want to remind you that to be filled with the Spirit, again, is to have every aspect of your life controlled by the Spirit. What some people are after sometimes is the thrill of the fill. Our Christian walk is to be fully influenced and dominated by the Spirit. Paul begins this entire section by saying in chapter 4, verse 1, that we are to have a walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. There is no way to have a walk that is worthy of the calling by which we were called without the Holy Spirit filling you. No way. Paul says in Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then he goes on to say in verse 16 that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're here this morning, and again, you find yourselves constantly fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Again, the problem is, is that you're probably trying to do this alone apart from the Holy Spirit. The only way you will ever be able to overcome the lust of the flesh is through the power of the Holy Spirit working and operating in your life. So, let me just ask you this question. How do we get the Holy Spirit? There is a three-letter word that says how you get the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what that three-letter word is? Yes. Yeah, ask. Not beg, not buy, ask. Jesus said it like this in Luke eleven thirteen. He said, if you sinful people, let me give you the amplified version. If you dirty, rotten scoundrels, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, and you do, how many of you are parents here and you know how to give good gifts to your children? We do. 
Jesus says, how much more? You think you're good? Jesus says, you should see my heavenly father when he gives good gifts to his children. You think you're good? Oh, you haven't seen anything. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Not beg, not buy, ask him. So that's why my challenge to you this morning is, as you look at your life, if you're a Christian here this morning, as you look at your life, are you living a life of victory? Do you feel like, you know, God is active? I mean, God is using you. You're not using God. He is using you to speak to, to minister to, to bless people. So if you're, if you're here this morning, you just feel like, man, I just feel like I am in a place of just victory, of peace. I feel the blessing. I feel the power of God over my life. I'll guarantee you the only way that's happening is because the Holy Spirit is very, very active in you. If you're here this morning and you're kind of looking at your life, you're looking at your walk with the Lord, and you're kind of just thinking, man, I am frustrated. I am constantly, you know, obeying the lust of my flesh. I don't feel like I have any victory. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with God. I don't feel like God is using me in any impactful way. Chances are you've been trying to do this Christian walk in your own strength and power. So what is the answer? Ask. See, when you're struggling in situations and you don't know what to do, ask. I think James says you you have not because you ask not. See how simple that word is? Some of you may be fighting addictions here and you just don't feel like you're getting any victory. And again, maybe you're just trying to do this in your own strength and power. What's the solution? Ask. Maybe you kind of just feel like, man, I I, I, want to be used of God. I, I, I just don't know where. I don't know how. What's the answer? Ask. Ask. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And we're just going to take a moment. And we're just going to go to the Father. And we're going to ask him to just give us the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to begin to ask that Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. Okay? What the work of the Holy Spirit does when you get saved is the Holy Spirit comes inside you and fills you up. And you you know what happens when you get filled up with the Holy Spirit? He's waiting to be released through you. And and that's what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit can take a lot of forms. You know, for me, uh, my prayer language, uh, you know, if I don't know how to pray about something, I just begin to flow in my prayer language. That's the Holy Spirit flowing out of me. Um, if, if, you know, again, the, the vision I talked about, that's the Holy Spirit flowing out of me. God gave me that, that picture. Now, I could have just, just sat on that and done nothing with it. 
I mean, we went to the courthouse, we went to City Hall, we went to the fire department, we went to the police station, we went to every school in Mason City, and we kind of did this all last year. And we just simply said to the people, we just want to thank you. We just want to appreciate you. We want to just honor you for all you're doing. That was the Holy Spirit gave me that picture, and then my response to the Holy Spirit is, okay, I'm just going to do what he's told me to do. That's, so, so there is a flowing in of the Spirit for the purpose of it flowing out. Do you understand that? Okay, that's what we're going to do this morning. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us for the purpose of not just being full, okay, because you're going to leak. So this is why it's continually needing to be refilled. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit, fill me for the purpose of your power, your presence being released through me. So if that's, if that's your heart's desire this morning, we're just going to ask you to stand, and we're just going to pray for you this morning. Father, we just thank you so much. And Lord, even though I'm already standing, I stand. And God, I ask because that's what your word says. If we just ask that you will give the Holy Spirit to us. So Father, I pray for those here this morning that maybe are in that perpetual state of frustration, despair. There's a lack of victory, a lack of overcoming in their lives, Father. I would just ask right now, Father, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit would just begin to flow and to flood over them. And God, as your Holy Spirit is flowing in them because they're asking for it, we don't have to beg for it. All we have to say is, Father, give me your Holy Spirit. And Father, you're going to begin to fill us. And Father, you fill us for the purpose of us just releasing that Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts. Father, just through obedience as you begin to speak, as we begin to prophesy, as we begin to dream, as we begin to get visions. Father, that is the Holy Spirit working in us so that the Holy Spirit can begin to flow out and to work through us. So Father, this morning we just ask again, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us victory. Father, I pray that we would dream dreams, that we would have visions, that we would prophesy. Father, that we would be able to speak in a heavenly language. Father, we thank you for all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Father. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when you give them, you teach us how to use them, Father. So we just thank you for that this morning. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that tomorrow when we wake up, God, again, we can ask for a fresh filling. God, every moment, every day, we can ask, God, just to be filled afresh, to be filled anew with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that you'll never, ever tell us no. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us in that. And we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.